1: uh, we are bombar- bombarded, experts say, between six and 10,000 messages every day. That's how much stimuli our brain receives. And I mention that as we welcome our next guest in, Elizabeth, whose son was shot and paralyzed in a shooting in Lake Vista, I think it was. Um, and, and we're going to start all over and let her tell you the story because I, I know you're bombarded by a lot of messages each and every day, and it's hard for us to remember everything exactly. Now the reason we're having Elizabeth on is and I'm not using her last name, I wanna keep as much light on this as possible and make sure that the miscreant that is now sixteen years old that shot and paralyzed her son is tried in adult court and is not given juvenile life, which means he would get out when he's twenty one. With that we welcome in Elizabeth. Good morning, Elizabeth. How you doing?
2: Good morning. Thank you for having me. I how's, appreciate
1: it. How's your son Noah?
2: Well, he's still dealing with some secondary issues, some wounds. Um, thankfully, he adverted a surgery. He was on bed rest for a week. So now he's a little bit more mobile. Um, you know, it's, I think I'm learning a lot about somebody who's paralyzed. It goes way beyond not walking. <laughs> it um, involves a lot of other issues, health issues. So we're we, learning, we're learning.
1: We have an hour, so I want to take some time oh, to fully uh, expose this and for people to understand what happened. Take us back um, to, I guess, the day before or the day of your son shooting, what he was doing, uh, where he went, what led to it.
2: So um, it occurred on August 21st, but it was really Saturday, August 20th, in my mind, we um we had an enjoyable day together. It was a Saturday. We went down to Magazine Street. We had lunch. We did walked a few stores and then we stopped off at Bocados for dessert and had a lovely conversation. It was really a wonderful day. And then we came back to the home and he went into his room. He's an engineering student at UNL, so he had classes that just resumed. He had some work he needed to do. And then Probably, I would say around ten thirty eleven he came out of his room and he said he needed to take a walk. It was something he enjoyed doing. Um, as a child, we had lived in upstate New York. He loves nature he and he just finds comfort in that. So he wanted to take a walk and um, you know, off he went, and shortly thereafter, I just had a feeling as a mother that something was wrong. He normally communicated with me via an app, and his communications had completely ceased, which is so not typical of him. So I got in the car and literally drove around the corner, and he saw these blue lights, and I immediately knew something was wrong, and I got the terrible news that he'd already been transported to UMC trauma. He'd been shot multiple times. So there I ran with my fiancé to the hospital and sat through the night not really knowing what the future was, what the outcome. I was very afraid, obviously. And um, ultimately, he left surgery after, I believe, about six hours and went to um, a holding area. I didn't see him for about a day and a half. And then eventually he was moved to the ICU. And, you know, they mentioned that you know, his legs paralysis. But frankly, at that point, I was so thrilled that he had survived the surgery that <laughs> it didn't even seem like an issue. Honestly, I just was just so thrilled. But, you know, I have to say that I'll, everybody was so wonderful in, um, Noah was a lucky person. You know, we talk a lot about New Orleans, you know, 911 not responding on that evening. Everything worked for Noah. Um, Pinnacle.
1: What happened? What did he tell you happened, Elizabeth, when the, the incident occurred, when these people shot him?
2: So he was walking on Paris Avenue in Lake Terrace uh, in front of somebody's home, and a car pulled alongside of him. And from what I understand, the passenger got out with guns drawn and demanded his, his phone, which he gave him, and his wallet, which he did not have on him, and... Noah thought that things were going rather well. He didn't feel extremely threatened. He felt like things were okay, considering the situation he was in. And then the driver got out, and he tells me that that's when things really escalated. And got very aggressive, and then all of a sudden, you know, he got scared. And so he had a little pocket knife on him that he tried to, you know, defend himself with. But... Yeah, they just shot up. They, they. From what I understand, there were a lot of bullet casings in the lawn. Um, I remember a police officer saying to me it was nothing short of an execution-style shooting. He was lucky to be alive. So it was pretty aggressive. I mean, they didn't just go out, in my opinion, to rob. I'm wondering if they went out to do more. But Noah was very lucky. He had Pinnacle Security there who immediately responded and protected him because, as he said, his legs gave out. He couldn't run. He was literally on the lawn. He really thought they were going to come back and finish him off. So um, Pinnacle Security grac- you know, graciously was there. Two ambulances came. From what I understand, they were able to give him blood transfusions in the ambulance, which saved his life. He went to UMC. He had a tremendous team of doctors and nurses and technicians who were there, who responded. Immediately, he was in surgery in under an hour he ended up getting I believe eight units of blood so thank you to everybody who's ever donated you are saving a life
1: who shot him Elizabeth
2: well presently there's one person under arrest at the time of the incident he was 15 he turned 16 a few weeks later I believe in November and from what I understand he does have a prior record um, again, because, you know, he he was a juvenile, all that is not discussed. You can't, you know, you can't obviously ask. So I don't know the nature of what his prior record was or the, you know. <laughs> but from what I understand, this wasn't his first time that he had been in the system, so to speak. Um, the second shooter, I believe, is still out at large. And that worries me because, frankly... You know, I'm sure he's done more since the night of my son's shooting. He's out there, and I do worry that he's going to harm another human being.
1: Is he a juvenile as well, Elizabeth? Do you know?
2: I, at this time, I do not know any of that information. Okay. I know it's an active, ongoing, you know, so, open case.
1: The reason we want to keep shining light on this is originally DA Jason Williams says that he said he was going to prosecute. Um, this individual as a juvenile, which means the most he could get is five years in jail, juvenile life, which is 21. But then they told you, Elizabeth, that it wouldn't even be that, right?
2: Right. Correct. Because I'm sure everybody saw the reports in the news that there is overcrowding. And then I was told that they let them out on good behavior. Um, And then there was discussion, I think, of sending them home with ankle monitors. So, the push is definitely to get them out the door. I mean, that's the reality.
1: All right. So and, ahead, Elizabeth. I'm sorry.
2: No, I was going to say this has all been a learning curve. You know, I, as a person who had never been impacted by crime as, to this level, I mean, we've had our windows broken. I've had two home invasions when I was in college in Uptown as a um, oh, Loyola Tulane student. So I've, you know, I've had crime, but this is on a whole different level. Um you know, you always assume that the police are going to make arrests, and when they make arrests, then justice will be served. And I'm quite finding out that the system is not in favor of the victims. It's in favor of the criminals. All right, let me take and a that break. that is the truth.
1: We're going to pick it up here when we come back about what happened uh, so far in terms of this individual being tried. Jason Williams saying he was going to try the individual in juvenile, in uh, adult court. But then there were some procedural things involved that put that in jeopardy. And now I think there is some question out there in terms of appeals with the Fourth District and um, Fourth Circuit, rather, uh, as to whether or not he is going to be tried as an adult. And I don't want any any of this to slip through any cracks. I want as much light shed on this as we possibly can so that this individual is tried as an adult and not as a juvenile for shooting this young man. And paralyzing him for the rest of his life. 917, back in a flash, WWL. 924, talking to Elizabeth, um, Noah's mother. Noah was shot and paralyzed on August 20th, uh, Sunday, August 21st, actually, I guess that morning, by a juvenile offender. One uh, person is still at large. Uh, this person was 15 when the offense occurred, um, t- subsequently turned 16, and we're trying to keep some light on this to make sure that Jason Williams charges him as an adult. So Jason Williams said he was going to charge him as an adult. Elizabeth, pick it up from here. And I just understand, I want the audience to understand it's a little bit complicated here, but that's how the legal system is. And what your statement, your statement before the break, that it's built to help the criminals and not the victims is very important as you listen to this. Go ahead, please.
2: Well, first of all, at least that's my impression. And I also want to state I'm not a lawyer, so I'm giving you the best based on what I'm living and what I've discovered in this journey is there's always two camps right there's one camp that will say one thing and another camp that will say another so you kind of have to work your way through it so when Noah's case landed in the DA's office from what I understand at that point they were not moving cases unless the person had been killed in fact I was told by one of the employees that if noah had been in a body bag it would have been a different story so there you have it when noah's case came into the office i think the climate was starting to change they were starting to say hang on a minute some of these cases are so egregious we have to look at each case individually we can't just take a broad stroke and say looking at the age this is where they need to be remain so noah's case we did meet with the da he was very gracious we met with his team and then they had to do internally their legal paperwork. And I, of course, was not aware of any of that process. And the main thing was to go before a grand jury and present, I believe, the evidence and whatever they have. Again, I'm, I was not at that hearing, so I'm not aware what was presented to these this panel. I believe it's nine people. Mm-hmm. And, but from what I understand, they decided pretty quickly that this case needed to go to adult court. Okay. And so there it went. And we felt like finally the case was going to be heard in a court where the judge and the jury would have more latitude to render a sentence that might be more appropriate for the future that Noah is facing, the reality. And and the reality that we as a family are facing. So the first adult court date was December 21st. And, of course, I was under the impression that he was just going to be entering a plea. But it did not turn out to be that way it turned out mainly to be a discussion of some paperwork that should have been submitted within 30 days and was submitted on day 42. Mm. now i've heard a lot of things from both sides i've heard that you know that they had researched it that this is not a problem this but the judge i think had enough doubt in her mind at least from what i could tell that she said i don't want to stand up on appeal so she sent the case back to juvenile court and she closed it or quashed it, the word that I've been told. And immediately the D.A. in his office came, called and reached out in the press and said, we're filing an appeal. So in my mind, I'm like, great, you know, we're going to do what needs to be done. But then about a week ago, things just went off the rails as far as I'm concerned Um noah had asked the attorney who was handling the case he asked her a few specific questions he asked her if the appeal had been filed she said yes and then there was a question of a certain date in court january 23rd and it was a date i believe that i had heard in adult court so i wanted noah to verify if there was anything coming up in his case she said she didn't know anything about it long story short We were later notified via a little card that was left in the door that there is a court appearance in juvenile court on the 23rd, and they were requesting that Noah... Wait, go back for a second, Elizabeth,
1: hang on a second. Go back to the card left because that's an an interesting part of this. Go ahead.
2: So what happened was it was in the morning, the doorbell rang, and I was actually in the restroom. I have to help Noah in and out of the shower and, you know, assist him because he can't use his legs. And By the time I got him to a place where he was safe and I ran to the front door, this little orange card fluttered out and there was this man sitting in a car and he just looked at me and he drove off. I later found out that he should have given me some paperwork Mm -hmm. or maybe to Noah on his, you know, I would have taken it on Noah's behalf, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: but that wasn't given some, I think it was subpoena paperwork is what I was told. Mm -hmm. So anyways, this little card confirmed that on January 23rd in juvenile court, there was going to be something, which was really strange because, remember, his attorney had said she didn't know anything about that date. (laughs) So that kind of, you know, got me thinking, well, what is really going on here? So I started making a bunch of phone calls. And what I have learned is that the appeal process is really not filed with the 4th District. They've started the paperwork. They've done the initial steps. They have to get paperwork from this judge, and they've gotten that. And now they're waiting for transcripts. And I was under the impression that all this needed to be filed by January 21st, but now I'm being told that it's probably not going to happen. I don't understand what that means as far as can they get get an extension. or it's, It's just a bunch of legal gymnastics as far as I'm concerned. And ultimately, he is going to go to court on January 23rd, and I believe he's going to be heard on the. um, there was one charge they did not transfer to adult court from what I understand it's possession of a weapon by a juvenile and one person told me I could expect him to enter a plea of guilty but then I've been told well he can't enter a plea if there's an appeal in process so I don't really understand how all this is happening um, you know, I don't know where the other two charges—the armed robbery and the attempted second-degree murder—are kind of in this legal limbo. Um, I know some attorneys have said, "Well, they, they could be dismissed, and he could be recharged." It's all very strange, if you want to know the truth. As a person who has never been in the legal system, um, yeah. What that's are you hearing?
1: What are you hearing from the district attorney's office?
2: Um, Well, I do know that the lawyer has, now there's somebody else that's taken over Noah's case. He's a very nice gentleman. I've met with him. Um, He has offered to sit down with us. He actually offered last week, but of course, Noah was not well enough to be receiving any guests. So um, he definitely wants to sit down and explain to us everything because frankly, the office has what is called a victim's coordinator i believe and it's supposed to be this person that's you know supposed to give you the lay of the land and they're supposed to obviously if you're having mental health issues or i believe they're kind of like your guide and frankly we've had no phone calls from this person and i've even said you know to the da well or other people have prompted this person to call and she'll be like yeah yeah i'll call and then they don't call the only time i've ever heard from the office is when i've rattled the cages you know, suddenly then they all come up for air. So there's a lot of information that is out there that we we basically are learning everything the hard way or in hindsight, or we ask questions like, has an appeal been filed and we're told yes, when in actuality, right now, the answer is no. I mean, the fourth circuit does not have the paperwork. You know, yes, the paperwork is in progress, But, you know, if we had not gotten that little card in the door and started digging, we would have been under the impression that the Fourth Circuit is going to have the appeal and that they're going to be considering it. But right now, from what I as of yesterday, I was told there's no paperwork in their hands. So as far as I'm concerned, as a person who doesn't know the law, that sounds to me like there's really not an appeal on the books.
0: Let
1: me right? take a Yeah, let me take a break. We'll pick it up here when we come back. And, and I think this sheds a, a lot of light on a lot of things. First of all, I want to keep this in the spotlight so that nothing slips through the cracks, so that nobody forgets this or that or this wasn't done here, so that if this doesn't wind up going to adult court, somebody is responsible for it not going to adult court, and somebody has to answer to why that didn't happen. But I think it also speaks to what victims go through uh, and what responsibility does the DA's office have to victims because Elizabeth is busy taking care of her son. She's not independently wealthy, who is paralyzed because some juvenile decided to, at age 15, shoot him while he was out taking a walk at night. So now she has to go through all of this to try to figure out what's happening here, what's happening there, is the fix in where they're saying this guy's going to be tried as an adult, but he really isn't. And you can only imagine being in her shoes. And it's not right, and we're going to keep, uh, keep talking about this until we know for a fact that this miscreant is tried in adult court because you can't shoot somebody and paralyze them, whether you're 15 or 12 or whatever, uh, or 16, and expect to go to jail for a couple of years. That's just not right and it's certainly not going to discourage anybody from doing the same thing in the future. More when we return, 934, back in a flash. Right now it's traffic on WWL. 939 coming up on 940, talking to Elizabeth, mother of Noah, who was shot and paralyzed by a then 15-year-old, now 16-year-old, and uh, basically we're, we're keeping the, the light shined on this case to make sure that nobody allows anything to quote slip through the cracks and this person winds up being tried in juvenile court and not criminal court not adult court so mm-hmm. as far as you know now elizabeth what is the da's office telling you about they're the status of the me, case
2: well they're telling me that the you know that the paperwork is in, in progress i guess it's going to be filed they're telling me that if the judge doesn't give them the transcript by the 21st of january i believe they can file for an extension but let's not forget that on january 23rd the uh the criminal who who did this is going to be in court in juvenile court which to me is strange right how can he be heard in juvenile court if this case is supposedly on appeal in adult court so it's very strange to me how you know One charge could be heard in one court, and then the other two charge. I just don't understand it all, and I know some attorneys have explained it to me many times.
1: Um, Your fear, your fear is that something happens where on the twenty third he winds up in juvenile court, he pleads guilty and winds up doing two years in jail, and that's it. Correct? I'm not even sure what you do
2: for a gun charge. I'm not even thinking it's two years. Okay. You know, I'm not sure. You know, and I'm going to say this: it's something you touched upon before the break. Um, And this is where they capitalize on victims and the caregivers, the family. They expect life to go on. They, you know, the system is so set up that, you know, every day we're inundated with more and more crime, more and more cases are building up. So Noah's story becomes slowly forgotten about. It gets put, you know, on the back shelf till one day nobody even remembers that case. And that's what they're banking on.
1: For them, but your reality is... Just the right. opposite. Your reality has forever been changed.
2: Forever. And I've met a lot of families where I take NOAA for OTPT <laughs> who are, you know, some of them are even, you know, their relatives end up being quadriplegics. They are, their reality, you know, they're, pri- you know, caregivers like I am, you know, we have to drive them, we have to get their medications, we take them to doctor's appointments. You know, my whole life, As of August 21st, I went from having an independent 23-year-old son to now a son who right now is pretty dependent. You know, he is actively hoping to regain, you know, some of his freedoms, but, you know, he can't drive. He can't even get into the shower on his own. I mean, he can't change sheets on his bed. He can't get his groceries. He can't cook for himself. I mean... And I've had a lot of families come to me and say, bless you for being, for speaking for us, because we're not being heard. I'm not the only person in this city living this hell. You know, my son isn't the only victim whose life has been completely derailed. But I will tell you, fortunately, because of you and others who are supporting my voice, the voice of Noah, we are being heard. And I'm here to represent not only Noah, but all the others. And I'm going to tell you, the system is so rigged right now, at least from my impression, that, you know, this is why cases fall off the radar. This is why we're hearing, you know, you hear people say, well, I never was told that there was a court date. I didn't know I needed to be in court, you know, (laughs) and. There's many times where we have specifically asked, is there something tomorrow, for example, and we were told no, only to find out on on the Monday that, yes, there was something on Friday. You know, this has happened to us twice now, twice. I mean, even the adult court hearing, um, the Zoom link, there was a Zoom link. It wasn't given to me by the DA's office. The victim coordinator didn't ring me up and say, okay, Mrs. Hansard, if you you would like to attend, we have a Zoom link. This was given to me by an independent party. There are some really wonderful people in this city that basically assist victims and their families more than the DA's office. I mean, we are left out there on our own trying to figure it out. And this is what I've learned in these last few months. And fortunately, I think I'm pretty smart and I'm pretty resourceful. And like I said, I've been blessed to have really wonderful people step into our lives. But I'm telling you, very easily, you could be forgotten about in the system or you could be told one thing when in actuality that's not the case. And suddenly you find your case totally thrown out in left field. I mean, we assumed his case was going to adult court. Now look at us. We're not even sure.
1: <laughs> Do you feel as though... You would almost have to get a, a lawyer to represent your interests, although the DA is supposed to be your lawyer, right?
2: Correct. That is, I we, initially, I had asked that question on, you know, Noah was on a phone with us, and I asked, and they said, no, no, you know, we represent the state, we're here to represent, you know, okay, great. But I have called many lawyers in New Orleans, and I'll tell you, they don't want to take the case. No, no lawyer will touch this case. I mean, it's crazy to me that somebody could be so injured. And, you know, I've heard, well, even if the mother, you know, the family has a house, even if they own a house, you know, you can't sue for those assets. But yet, you know, we're getting taken to the pauper's house, right? We have to pay. We have to lose wages. We have to drive him. But that seems okay. You know, there's, I'm telling you, the system is not stacked in the favor of the person that's been injured or killed. To me, it's stacked to get the juveniles out of court, out of out of the system as quickly as possible and to move things along. And now we say to ourselves, why are we the number one murder capital, supposedly, of the United States? Or why do we have such high crime rate? I'll tell you why the system is so broken, so broken.
1: Elizabeth, I wish there was something I could do. I wish I were an attorney. I know Newell Norman is probably listening right now, and I know that he's very concerned about this. And um, he is an attorney, and he is a connected guy. So I got to believe that he – and I'm going to try to save a couple of minutes to talk to him here um, about this. Have you had any – what other organizations have reached out to you? Have you been in communication with? Is anybody else keeping an eye on this besides you and me?
2: Well, I am working with some um, victims of crime and a lady named Ann Kiefer, who has been wonderful. Um, there are some other people that are in the background. I don't think I want to mention them publicly. Okay. Um, obviously, Metro Crime Commission Rafi has been, you know, he's been on your show. He obviously is giving great legal perspective. He is, you know, way more savvy on the law than I am. And he's he's wonderful. You know, I can call him up and he really tries to explain things to me to reassure me that things are going to be okay. Um, But, you know, the community where Noah was shot has been tremendous, the Lake Terrace. Um, I am starting to attend some crime meetings in the different communities. I am going to try to get the community to stand with me together, that we demand that, you know, that justice be served for those who are being so injured uh, you know we had our we in our home we, we also had our window broken on a car you know I mean no I'm sure a lot of people can say that they've had their windows bashed and and yes it was about a 500 hundred dollar expense that came out of our pocket but that was fixable some things are not fixable sometimes and um I'm just very disappointed. I mean, I will say I think the NOPD has done a great job in their investigation. They're working hard. You know, they've told me sometimes they chase the same criminal over and over again. You know, they get released and they're chasing them again. And every time they chase them, they're hurting more and more people. So this is real. But like I said, and you've said it, they wear you down. The system is set up in such a way that it wears you down to the point that you're so busy fighting for Your loved one's health that you can't focus I mean I've been invited to go to certain places I can't physically go because I'm a caregiver and so yes you know I appreciate you having me on the air because I can do this from the comfort of my home and still be here for him but it's hard for me to go down to City Hall or you know it's just it's just the way the system is set up
1: um i'm going to continue to put you on we'll as often as you want to come on until this is seen all the way through because again i don't want anybody to say this was forgotten or that was forgotten and if it is then somebody's got to be held accountable for it um our prayers are with you elizabeth thank you um, I, it shouldn't be this difficult because you know you, you didn't do anything wrong you, you, your son's a victim you're the victim here and again i do think it's it's almost part of wearing you out where you get so busy with other things, and, and that's what I don't want to happen here where, for for whatever reason, this person winds up being tried as a juvenile and justice is not done. Thank you. God bless you, Elizabeth. Thank Tell you Noah very hello much. I okay. appreciate Thank it. you. 950, taking a break, coming back on WWL.